What's up, my people? I promised to bring you this message, which is the second part to uh, the three parts series I said I was going to start. And we're dealing with how to have a strong relationship with God. And um, this is one of the major struggles of people. See, daily, I should pray daily, I should uh, fast, I should do this and that. All of these activities must have a source intelligence through which they spring. And it's called discipline. And discipline is not a virtue. That is just something you develop. Always a disciplined person. She's a disciplined person. I'm not disciplined. All of that is... Discipline comes from vision. You know, and... We are visionary beings. We were designed to be propelled by vision. As a matter of fact, God doesn't think any man deserves or any woman deserves to come into the world without vision. And that's why in John chapter 1, John defines Jesus, that Jesus is the light that lights every man that cometh into the world. Meaning that any man that comes out of the womb of a woman has a light of life. And that light is on them. The light, the light that it's talked about also in the book of, 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 of Isaiah chapter 61. I think chapter 60, arise and shine for thy light has come. That light, you are a light in the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We are light in the world. We are lit by vision, by the force of vision. There is a module of counsel that accompanied our coming into the world. In fact, that module of counsel also instructs our design. We're designed to function within vision or purpose. And if we do not do that, the frustration we experience will be invariably uh, proportional to our understanding of, or our lack of understanding of that vision, of that purpose. Aligning ourselves with the will of the divine is what brings us into bliss and relationship with him. It doesn't have purposeless friendships, purposeless sonships, or purposeless relationships. Infinite intelligence does not work like that. Infinite intelligence is deployed by precision, by purpose. And when you know this, you will have peace. Some days you will pray five times. Some days you will pray seven times. Other days you will not have time to pray. But guess what? Your being will be a prayer. Even your actions will be interpreting prayers. Because now you're soaked in the oil of, of the vision. The grand plan and objective that God had in mind when he put you into the world. And he's been working with you from the time you were in your mother's womb up until now to bring you into purpose. That significant intelligence, significant intelligence is there in the pit of your stomach. The moment you align with it, you will begin to find yourself doing extraordinary things. First of all, in your own character development and also in, in what you do for other people. Your, your development, personal development is hinged on it. Your peace of mind is hinged on it. And your discipline, of course, is hinged on it. God doesn't just want people to talk to him endlessly. You must be talking about something. And the conversation he wants to have with you is based on his plan for you. So I want to talk to you today about people, pattern, and purpose. Anyone who has ever had a fulfilling relationship with God will come in contact with those three. As a matter of fact, 
This is the reason I started the platform. To look for truth and verity. Not opinions, just truth. Because there's a way people think things are. But there is a way that they were designed to be. To go beyond perception. Or deceptive perception. Or confirmation biases. And all of those, you know, hindrances and innuendos and limitations that are referred to as infirmities in men to go right to the heart of purpose and find out why to all things. There's a why to all things. They, even if there are many thoughts that accompany the creation of a thing, there will be a dominant thought about that thing. That is the audacious ambition that I have for the platform, to go to the reason why something is created and um, I define that as my purpose to speak to my generation with precision to say this is it and you go and find it out and if you find it different fine I will grow but that is always what I've always found that's always what I've always wanted to be that's always the the feeling inside of me to give people clarity complete clarity and I find that when I align myself with this verity, things work. When I don't, and I get into these conjectures, and I get into these opinions, and I try to put them intelligent, things start to fall apart. But that's a general thing. I'm just trying to describe to you my intimacy with my purpose and my understanding of how God has swung me into motion. I told you, we're going to read Hebrews 11, for this exercise and Hebrews 11 is a very, very peculiar chapter of the Bible. It sort of like summarizes the Bible and summarizes the mentality of those who were champions of faith in, in history as far as biblical characters are concerned. And it says faith is the substance of this hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, by it the elders obtained a good report. And it says that through faith we understand uh, that the words were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel. Okay, he begins to mention names now. By faith, Abel offered. So he's saying faith is sight. Faith is seeing the invisible. Faith is connecting to an invisible purpose. And that faith, once it connects you to the invisible purpose, you start to do by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Now, by faith and by seeing the invisible, Abel had a, a coherent and an articulate devotional life. By faith. By faith. By seeing. By seeing something that is not obvious to everyone, his actions towards the altar that he built in his life changed. He began to build quality altars and he began to have a marvelous devotional life with God. After he finished with faith, it was Abel, and he talked about what Abel did. He said, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him. And that's what she says, God took him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he 
pleased God. He walked with God by faith. He walked with Him. Now, by seeing Him, we define what faith was in the beginning. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. That your hope is substantiated, and the evidence of things not seen, and that the things you don't see, you have evidence of their existence in your heart. You've heard people talk about this before. The receipt of your car is that the car is on the way. The way bill means that something is coming to you. Is a proof. Now, those things are substantiated in your heart. What is not yet obvious is substantiated. There's a force, a critical force of purpose in you that moves you to action. As a matter of fact, when you talk about Enoch, talk about Abel, he now began to talk about another favorite character of mine, Noah, by faith. Noah moved. So, so these people, by faith, by seeing the substance and by having a tangible evidence of a purpose-driven life inside them, they moved, they built. Oh, oh yes, they built this. Someone, you know, I was waiting this morning and someone said, when Noah built the ark, it had not started to rain. By faith, by seeing the invisible, we connect. We connect to what is going to be in our lives. And we begin to take steps in present about things. We begin to take visible steps about invisible things by faith. We begin to take, meaning that when we see a vision, we are moved. We're inspired into actions. What wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning is not that you're not tired. What wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning is not that you're, you don't have work the following day. What wakes you up at 3 o'clock this morning is not that you're scared. What would wake you up? It's not even that you're disciplined. What wakes you up at 3 in the morning is that you have seen something that others haven't seen. You would perceive this future in a way that it will become so real to you and it will begin to move you to action. So you're wondering, why is family recording this now? Vision. Vision, because I could be doing several other things in my time at the moment. Vision. That's what makes me do it. In sickness and in pain, I will do it. People will look at me and say, you're disciplined. No, I've seen something. And because of what I've seen, because of what I've seen, I can't but act. It's not even something that I'm struggling to do. I just do it because it is clear. And the clearer it gets, the more I do. The clearer it gets, the more I do. The clearer that thing gets, the more I do. Don't forget Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews 11, by faith, by seeing the evidence of things not seen, by, by the substantiation of hope in my spirit. That's faith. Then by that actions are modified. Everybody who has worked with God consistently has had the force of vision articulated and activated in their soul. Everyone that has worked with God convincingly and consistently has had the force of vision activated in their soul. As a matter of fact, God has a problem dealing with any man who cannot see what he sees or any woman who cannot see what he sees. People who are not visionary do not walk with God. It is impossible to do so because he's a being of vision. Let me tell you why he is. He lives outside of time. What he sees now is what will be and what has been and what is. 
meaning in the sight of God, things are future perfect. So when you say now to God, now means future perfect now. So when you go to God, you're talking to God, God is not talking to you based on the family that lives in Shelton Drive. God is talking to you about the family that for a good fight of faith and the laid hold on eternal life that is rewarded by a God that has the fullness of the image of the divine within. So God does not see me as a being who is struggling to stand. He sees me in the fullness of time. So what I am experiencing in time, God is seeing fully completed in eternity. Future perfect tense is the way he speaks to me and he sees me. Now if I want to work with him, I'm going to get confused. And this is what happens when you go to go with temporary needs. The moment you say, God, give me a car, you are asking him to introduce you to the purpose of your life because he's not going to have a car conversation with you. God is not that pecuniary. He's not that temporal. He has a full module of your life. And he's always going to be talking to you, dealing with you, begin to plant evidence in you and proof and substantiation of a hope inside of you because hopeless people cannot see God. So when he fills you with hope, the Bible calls him the God of all hope. Fill you with joy and all hope in believing. He is God of all hope. He's the God of hope. Hope itself is not hopefulness or optimism. No, no, no. Optimism is an attitude. Hope is a spiritual force. Hope is the reason you were designed. From the moment you start to put a car together, you are seeing it on the road. You are a completed work. That is the conversation God has with people. And if you come to him, that's the conversation he will have with you. He's not going to have the conversation of what you're going to eat this morning. Does he care? Who absolutely does. And he does provide. Your days are numbered in his sight. Everything you will ever have is before him. He knows. But what I'm saying is when it comes to developing intimacy with God, he would try his damnedest best to bring you onto the platform, the table of purpose. You don't know this. You can't see it. It will be difficult for you to live with God. Very, very difficult for you to live with God. And when this force of faith, which is hope, which is vision, which is seeing the impossible, becomes activated in you, you will know it. You won't be able to explain yourself and your actions and your impulses and the things that you are now led to do. You would have 80,000 in your current bank account. You with 75,000 will go to buying books preparing for that purpose. You won't even have to think twice about it. You will be moved in that direction by faith. No one moved, being warned of God in a vision about things to come. You will move. I don't think I can finish this again <laughs> because I'm talking today about people, pattern, purpose. People, pattern, purpose. Okay? So I give you a, a way of reconnecting with your purpose if you've lost it uh, in the little snippet I sent to you the last time. This is already 15 minutes. So you have to go back there and reconnect with that. It's already there. Once you, once you just decide to inhabit that moment where you, or even just begin to pray in the spirit and begin to worship God. Begin to think about the visions he puts in your heart. The pictures will start to come. Write it down. There's no time you feel the presence of God. 
that everything he's ever said to you is not present right at the moment. Everything. Everything he's ever said to you is present. Every time you are in his presence, everything he will ever say, everything he's ever said is there. You just need to improve your awareness and simplify. The way to improve awareness is to simplify. Don't try to put your head in a cloud. No, just be, be easy. Be easy. Let it come. And just write it down. All you have to do is to find the faith to believe it. Once you believe the picture God is painting, oh, you're in partnership. From that moment on, you begin to see a, 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 a catapulting, as it were, a rapture into that consciousness. And your whole life will begin to change. You begin to take purposeful steps and not, not temporary steps. Okay, you begin to see your pain in context. You begin to see your waiting as preparation for something. You begin to see delay as design. And you begin to see God as a coach and a friend. Alright? I will continue with purpose, people, and pattern next time. Until then, see you again. Don't forget, you are lights in the world. Tuesday, and I just wanted to serve you um, with this message, continuation of um, purpose, people, and path. By the way, I've called it in different orders before, but this is the right order. Purpose, people, and path. Listen to this. There are no two ways about this. No two ways about what I'm about to say to you. You were made for something. And until you find it, you will not be pleasing to God. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, where we're reading, say without faith. And remember that I defined that faith for you. Faith is sight of a higher kind. Faith is sight of a higher kind. I defined it by faith. So you can say by sight, by divine sight. By divine sight, you can also substitute it for hope. And I told you hope is not optimism. Hope is hope is a picture, a spiritual force. Something you are living for. Faith is this. Don't limit yourself to the Pentecostal definition of faith. When they say faith, there's a substance of things hoped for. Because if you read, if you read that context of Hebrews chapter 11, it's talking not about material things. It's talking about life purpose. The first example he gave was Abel. Abel offered the more excellent sacrifice that came. Then he went and mentioned Enoch. Enoch is not... Enoch was not someone who amassed a lot of material things. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. And he kept on mentioning them by faith. Noah, being warned of God, moved. You know, so these are not, uh, we're going to talk about faith. Faith is not an instrument for 
mastery of the material realm. No, 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 no. Faith is an instrument of exchange by which God gives you what he sees about your life, what he wants to use your life for, purpose, people, pattern. By explanation, purpose, the purpose you were made was to serve people in a particular pattern. You were made. Your purpose is to serve people in a particular pattern. Alright? So, he, 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 it's not an instrument of gathering material things. Please, ladies and gentlemen, because today is going to be a lot about repentance. Okay? Because without repentance, there cannot be sight of any kind. The repentance I'm talking about is not the you know self-condemnation. No, 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 no. It is willfulness, and I'm going to you know discuss that before I close today because it is quite important. How do I enter into purpose? A lot of people are like, oh, no, my purpose, no, my purpose. And you can still see they're very presumptuous about it. It's a bit of pride present, all right. But you are not like you know outsiders. You are believers. What it means to be believers is to not just be circumcised to be sons of God, but to be circumcised to be servants of God. Right at your beginning to ask God, what was I made for? Okay, but before then, I was saying to you that if you don't see this sight, in verse 6 it says, for without faith it is in Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then he mentioned two things. For they that come to God must believe, one, that he is. The word, that expression there, refers to his sovereignty. It doesn't refer to his existence. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, those that come to God, you already come to God, you know he exists now. You are saying, one, that he's sovereign, that his will is supreme, that his plan is primal and principal. As the one, they must believe that he is, and the second, that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. In this context, what is the reward he's talking about? He's talking about the reward of revelation, of sight. That when you seek him, knowing that he is sovereign, you know the way we seek institutions. If you want to, you know, apply for something from the federal government, either from the Ministry of you know, Foreign Affairs or the Ministry of, or even an institution like CBN, you don't assume. You go to them knowing that their processes are sovereign. So you say, what are the processes for getting this thing? And they will give you a checklist. All right. They that come to God must believe that he is sovereign. He is sovereign. 
Sovereign means his plans are final. His intelligence has devised a plan for you. This is the mentality by which you seek God for your purpose to be made manifest in your life. The attitude of supplication, knowing that there are no other ways to go about it. There is no other option for you than to submit to his sovereignty. They that come to God must believe that he is suffering and that he always rewards with faith. Remember what I defined faith as according to what is here. If you read the entire chapter, go and read it. You will see that I am being very, very sincerely correct. It is not a, I'm not trying to, you know, create an impression of the word. It is not a metaphor. It is true. And verity that the faith referred to in Hebrews chapter 11 is sight, a divine revelation of God's idea concerning your life. Now, because if you really read all the way into uh, uh, read from chapter 10, read to chapter 11 and chapter 12, it said, Therefore, in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore being surrounded about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, the faith there again is not talking about the faith of our belief, no. The, the, <laughs> this is the light that lighted every man that comes into the world. So what it means is he's the author and the finisher of the light of our life, of the plan of our existence. He starts it because it's the light that lighted every man that cometh into the world, according to John chapter 1. And he lighteth us from the beginning, and then he completes us to the end. That plan, that counsel, is what the Bible is referring to in Hebrews. The Bible, book of Hebrews, is not a book about materialism at all. It's a book about God expressing himself through man. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, has spoken to us in time past through the prophet, now speaks to us through his son. That's what he says in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1. You know, so let's remove your mind from that because we need a reformation to happen. This thing I'm talking to you about, let me tell you, I entered into a new dimension of it in January 2018. I realized that I've been living a willful life, a life that I'm devising for myself what I want to do. I, I, I did not come to God as being sovereign. Say, God, you made me for yourself. What do you want me to do with my life? Correct me. Instruct me. Reveal to me what you would like me to do with my existence. And it's in worship that this happens. It is not me. It is in repentance and worship that this happens. You lay before him 
and it will be a process. It would take some time. You know why? Because through your fear, you have developed a concrete mindset that you would take care of your own self and that you will devise your own way. Jeremiah said, Oh Lord, I know that the ways of a man is not in himself and it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. I think it's Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23. I'm not so sure. I'll check it out for you. Oh Lord, I know that the way of a man is not in inside himself. It is not, it is not left to a man to direct his own course in life. To lay before him. The earlier you do this, the better. And to say, God, you made me for you. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve my generation? How do you want me to serve my generation? Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This is the beginning of a strong spiritual life. Because really, you're not going to access power if you're working in your own will. Power resides in obedience. And you would begin to see that there is an energy that is reserved for you, a power that is reserved for you, a glory that is reserved for you as you come into the knowledge of his will for your life, of what he wants you to do with your existence. And gradually, over a period of time, you'll begin to see a restoration of that idea that he wants you to do. I know you have a general impression about it. But the specific instructions that will begin to lead you into the actualization of this plan will begin to be revealed to you when you have been subjected to his will. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Meaning he will bring you to the realization of the light that he has reserved for you. It is a marvelous plan, ladies and gentlemen. It is beautiful. But where? Human beings have existed constantly with deep suspicions of the divine. Uh, We have been suspicious of the divine that he will lead us into places we don't want to go. He will make us do things that will not, you know, you know, make us live the kind of life that we plan for ourselves. Listen, God designed you. And he knows exactly what you need. Your internal processes, your internal mechanisms, and your internal, you know, uh, predispositions are very known to him. In fact, he knows you more than you know yourself. This plan we're talking about, will release you in a way that nothing else can where you get on your face and worship and begin to sing I surrender Lord heal me from my willfulness release me from this rebellious attitude of wanting to go my own way and to do my own things I repent of this, Father, and I receive your plan. Heal me from the trauma 
that is making me to hold on too tightly to the plan that I've made for myself. Lovingly guide me into what you've prepared for me. First Corinthians chapter 2. And as it is written, I have not seen, he has not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. The word love means those that submit to him because Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Scripture must explain scripture. Okay? Love does not mean affection. Mm-mm. In that place, it means submission. You get what I mean? It does not mean affection. It means submission. If you love me, keep my commandments. If that loves me, will be loved by my Father. I and my Father will now come and make our abode with Him in the person of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit will now begin to show you plan that God has for your life. So you say, Father, lovingly guide me into the things which you've prepared for me and then give me grace to walk in your purpose for my life. Father, show me how I'm supposed to serve my generation. Okay? Prior to 2018, I was not consistent like this. But he has showed me how he wants me to serve my generation. And that's what I'm doing. In fact, I wanted to put this in the voice note to say, Femi, curate it. Because the audience for this far exceeds that which, you know, you're surrounded with at the moment. And he speaks to me. When I obey, most of these things I'm saying, he gives them to me verbatim without any struggle. Because I am walking in the things that he has ordained for my life. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the big deal, which is the light of life, which is the faith, the sight of God, the elevated sight of God, the hope of his calling, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints, so that we can come and see the exceeding greatness of his power. Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready. Are you lay before you? And just begin to ask, Father, my heart is stubborn. I have held on to these plans for so long. I need to let them go. Lovingly take them out of my hand. Lovingly guide my heart. Direct my heart into your will. In the precious name of Jesus. And then make worship morning and evening a complete part of your life. Seriously desiring to know. Listen to me. Once you know, once you know, the discipline you are looking for, the strong spiritual life you are looking for, you will see God overwhelm you. God will begin to pray to you. When you're working in the plan, He walks into your room. He wakes you up. Let's talk. Pick up your note. Write this down. I am not kidding you. I am not trying to make you happy. This is precisely how it happened to Abraham, how it happened to Isaac, how it happened to Jacob, how it happened to Joseph, how it happened to Jesus, how it's happening to me. How it's happening to many great men and women who have done amazing things God. The moment you stop
working in your own will. You don't generate the prayer points anymore. God begins to give you the prayer points. He will say, I want to give you this. Pray for it. And you start praying. I want you to go there. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And for the rest of your life, if you are patient with him, you will begin to see wonders. Your intellect, your emotion, your life will come alive. Listen, even the disorderliness in your life right now will begin to find a resolution when you follow this plan. Will you? Can you? Get on your knees and begin this quest. Listen, don't rush, don't worry. Just take your time. It takes a while for the old things to begin to fall away and for the new things to begin to take preeminence. God is loving. He's the, he's the surgeon. He's the architect of great outcomes. I worship and adore him. Praise be to God. Don't worry. There's a purpose for your life, which is for you to serve people in a particular and specific pattern of ways. See you again very soon. I love you. And, and it's not an affection. I am committed to your emergence. I am committed to your peace. I am committed to your rising. God bless you. Later. Hello, my friends. I it's Tuesday, and it's my pleasure to come to you again. And uh, last time we spoke. We started by talking about um, um, purpose, people, and, and pattern, and um, we we went into um, Hebrews chapter eleven to discuss how to how to develop a strong, and powerful relationship with God. And I hope I was able to establish that vision. When God wants to be friends with someone, He gives them a vision. He gives them a picture of their tomorrow. And He says, that's where I'm taking you. Now put your hand in my hand and let me lead you to that future. And all that that person does from then on becomes in partnership and in fellowship with God over that future that he has showed them. And I've said that in scripture and in real life, there is no other effective way to work with God. In fact, when we went further in the book of Hebrews, and I said that if you read the book of Hebrews, it's about seeing what is not seen, connecting with a vision beyond where you are. Everybody in that chapter was looking for a city whose foundation, which had foundation, whose builder was God. They're looking for a city. They're looking forward to a bright outcome somewhere in the future, specifically bright outcome somewhere in the future, defined for them by God. Come, I'll take you to a land that I will show you. 
it's it's his it's it it's his method so everybody in Hebrews 11 saw a vision of a better future and they put their hand in the hand of God in communion and fellowship to get there and I said in fact verse 6 of that scripture says without faith which I defined as the sight of another kind of seeing what is not apparent because that's this that Hebrews 11 defined faith that way that's the context of that place seeing what is not seen having hope of something being fulfilled a substantiated um, vision being fulfilled in the future without this it is impossible to please God just before this verse he was talking about Enoch Enoch walked with God and he was not he was not found because God took him you know so he's saying that without this instrumentality of vision which he defines as faith it is impossible to please God he that cometh to God I explain must believe two things first that he is meaning he's sovereign he doesn't talk about his existence he's talking about his sovereignty there he is and that is a reward of them that diligently seek him so we went on to seeking and surrendering and that was the topic of the last episode seeking and surrendering and um, I you know try to tell you about how to gain to this space with God you say I'm not hearing God but he's not talking to me and he's talking you're just not in the same page with him he's speaking about your future he's speaking about what he wants to do with your life yeah your purpose is to serve people in a particular pattern your purpose is to serve people in a particular pattern and my prayer is that you will hear what's going on in the world i want to bring a dimension to this today which will lead me to something else it will lead me somewhere else people are not seeking people are not surrendering because they have a certain suspicion of divine plan i told you about that before this fear suspicion between man and god was put there by satan in the garden you know it puts that distrust there that thing that makes us not want to trust god with our lives with our future thinking that he will let us down thinking that he will bring us to a place we don't really like you know that those fears of divine will as long as they are in existence um, they will disturb our vision of seeing what God wants for our lives okay we need to come to a place within ourselves in our journey that we know that Lord I want only what you want for me show me what you got for me and let me be disciplined enough to just stay with that because within that will everything I need is supplied and when I grow in consciousness when I grow in realization of who I am when my sense of self develops I realize that you have been leading me to where I needed to be 
all this while because you knew that where I needed to be would be where I would want to be when I grow up. I trust God this morning. He knows all things. He knows me. He designed me in the particular way. And he knows that if I do not get into this field of helping other people to get better, to reach for higher, to become greater in life, I would not be fulfilled. Indeed, for so many years I fought with this. I just wanted to be, you know, be my own person, travel the world, you know, fly my own plane, you know, and just groove behind the scenes. God says, no, I want you in there. I want you helping people grow. And I didn't know that that's what I needed. But having done it for a few years now, with total focus and surrender, I could see that he knew exactly what I needed. I was the one that was suspicious of his will and divine plan. And I didn't submit to it. I wish I'd submitted earlier. The bliss, the connectedness, the the power, the relevance, the significance. I feel right now, the fulfillment I feel right now, I probably would have been feeling it for over a decade. But you know, I got aware of this since over 18 years ago. I never gave attention to it. I was being forced to stay in it, but I wasn't really settled in it. All right, this has now become the focus of my life because I've come to a point where I realize that God always knows best. We will come to that place within ourselves and we realize that we don't need to doubt divine will, which I said would lead to something else. It would lead to, to um, um, understanding the love of God. We would, we would dissect that place. What's the love of God? What does it mean? You say, God loves me. What does it mean? Because most people have projected human interpretation of love into that place and it's not so and this is these are tough gospels but they are necessary for the solidification of, of your foundation so you need to be strong and grow up not to be a yo-yo christian but a one that is established in the truth and is unshakable immovable always abounding in the work of the lord but i want to digest digress a little i told you two things I want to digress a little bit and I want to speak to you about this same line of thought but a different track which is what are the major questions of your generation? Every generation has the major questions that they are asking. The deepest, most relevant questions that people in your generation are asking. What is the biggest, what are the biggest points of pain in your generation? Knowing these things, being acquainted with these things will make you a better person, a more profitable business person, a very astute and relevant innovator, and a, a rich, you're going to be rich. If you are connected to the biggest question of your generation. What are the biggest questions your generation is asking? Because you are called to reach your generation. You are called to serve. The purpose is to serve a people in a particular pattern. 
you are meant, deployed to answer a particular question. As a matter of fact, you were born and you were projected to a season where your question, the question your generation is asking, will coincide with the answer that you are. The question your generation is asking will coincide with the answer that you are. You are a solution sent in advance of the problem. You are an answer deployed in advance of the question. So you've got to write it down. What are the major questions my generation is asking? And they will lead you to a part called empathy. Empathy is a spiritual force. Empathy is as powerful as gratitude. You know, there, there, are, there are forces I'm, I'm identifying that are powerful forces. They, they move things around. Gratitude is one of them. Gratitude is a creative power. All right. Empathy is, an, is the root of enterprise. Empathy is the root of enterprise. To be intimate with the pain of people is, is perhaps the most important um, virtue spiritually that comes out of empathy. To be in the shoes of others and write down their questions and pain will lead you to a new realm of listening. If never ever you know, attempted before. As you watch their shows, as you listen to them on Twitter, on Instagram, as you listen to them in church, as you listen to them on the on the bus, in their movies, you will see them make your questions. They're there. Alright? And as you write those questions down, you will see one that connects with you so effectively that you cannot but answer what are the most important and pertinent questions your generation is asking? Do you want to start listing them now? Writing them now and you know, going through them? The question of this, the question of that, the question of this, the question of that. What are the most important questions? Of your generation. If you can find them, you have found your purpose. You can start by asking yourself, what are the most important questions I am asking? Because you're a member of your generation too. Okay? Find this. This is your exercise for the next couple of days. And we'll go back into studying the fear of the divine will and will look at the nature of the love of God and I hope that your, your life will take your trajectory of your spiritual life will take a, a higher dimension as a result of this series of teaching God bless you let me have your feedback stay blessed gentlemen I'm so sorry for the inconsistencies you have to know that I'm also doing this in conjunction with all the other things 
um, presence in South Africa. And uh, I've been there at the moment. Uh, we were traveling for like almost two days. Town, doing some things, and Skellenbosch, some things, you know, over some other places. And it's been one movement to the other, but you've been on my mind. And um, um, I wanted to, like I said, show you the exact way things work. There are so many ways that seem good to us, okay? Uh, so many ways that seem good to us. We're still talking about. Um, people, pattern, purpose. There's so many ways that seem good to a man. There's so many options open to you. But there's only one way that you're supposed to go. There's a method that is good. The reason why we don't make accelerated progress and we don't see ourselves successful as we should, and maybe even happy, some of us are successful but not happy, is that we the human beings' problems hasn't they haven't changed from the beginning of time uh, because we were made a little lower than God Himself. Um, if you read the book of Psalm 8, we'll see. Uh, you, I'm sure you heard a message about it. You made him a little lower than the angel. Um, actually, means you made him lower, a little lower than yourself. The translators were a little bit, you should not trap it. Exactly what happened because we were made in the image of the likeness of God. There is the tendency to commit the same offense that the first man committed, and it's it's the principle is still at work though today. When we interact with agencies of government or to get approval, we want to go once, we don't want to go again. We just want to tell me what to do now so I can do it. It fixes everything. All right? We're designed that way. We're designed to never want to bother about authority figures. We're designed to never want to check with anybody what we want to do. we naturally inclined to want to watch this word, this expression. We're going to hear it a lot. To self-govern. We want to self-govern. You know, and... I was thinking about purpose and all of that. If you don't, if you don't deal with this deep, deeply rooted impetus in us, we, we in fact, the best of us struggles with this. Yeah, yeah. Pastors uh, get a calling from God, and and they assume everything else. They just get that calling. I'm supposed to be a pastor and then they assume everything else. Everything else is assumed. They, they, they hear that calling and that's it. They say, thank you God for calling me. I'm called to God to make the announcement. And then they begin to do what catches their fancy. And they never check back. Because we just want that one-time transactional thing. You know, and because we don't trust the end goal of God, the, the, the suspicion of the divine intention, the what God exactly, what does he want to do with me? It's going to make my life boring. I have ways to fix these things. I have ways to get this done. So what we do is we, we hear 
the first command. We don't wait to receive the template. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If you prioritize what you think God has called you to do, you are getting it wrong. The calling is for the service of the original purpose. The calling is not the point. Your calling is not the point. Your purpose is not even the point. The point is to see the full expression of the divine expressed in us. I'll prove it to you in scripture. First of all, he said, Come, let us make one in our own image. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter yeah. Let's make an image after likeness. Let them have dominion over the fields, blah, 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 blah. But he said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The descriptive for the original intention is a duplication of nature. Second Peter chapter one verse three, God is divine nature has given us all things to the life of godliness, and uh, through whom we have become partakers, to through which we can become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Um, I don't have my Bible here. I would have opened it for you, but if you check Second Second Peter chapter one, you will see this there. If you go to Romans chapter eight, you will see where it says that he whom he did he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. The destiny of the human race is to grow up in the fullness of the nature of God, to become the exact replica of Elohim. That's the purpose. The purpose is not to preach, to sing, to start a church, to start a business, to be a doctor or a lawyer, to be a humanitarian, to be a philanthropist, to be a teacher, to be a lawyer, to whatever. No, those are, those are not, that's not the point. The point is to be on the earth as God is in heaven. You ask me, why that? Well, I won't stop. You know, proving to you that's Romans chapter 8, you see there. Him whom he did for no use to be destined. My destiny is to be conformed to the image of his son. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. And let them have dominion. Okay? Now, if you check again in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see where Paul began to describe the purpose of the fivefold ministry. And he said at the end of the day that we will all grow up into Christ in all things. Ephesians chapter 4. Read that place, you will understand it again. That at the end of the day, we were not born to do, but born to be. I'm going somewhere because I've talked about seeking and surrendering, and your purpose is to serve people, to particular pattern in, in uh, to serve your purpose is to serve people in a particular pattern but and you've seen us talked about seeking and surrendering but most people just want to know the topical descriptive of their destiny they don't they're not interested in the detail all right they're not and if you don't understand this you're gonna have problems with god because he doesn't do anything 
generally and in abstraction. He's never nebulous. He's specific. He's specific. Look, the wind of life is going to blow you. The pressures of existence is going to come against you to meet your needs, to do this, to do that, get married, go here, go there, do this and do that. It's going to be here. But if you keep growing into the nature of God, that's what God's do. God's suppress pressure. God's overcome obstacles. God's go through troops, run over walls. God's fly when the road is not powerful. If you prioritize the main reason for being here, which is to be conformed to the image of God. I'm not talking about being wrong or being right. I'm not talking about holiness. I'm not going to simplify what I'm saying. Look deep in it and understand that the nature of this whole existence, all of this, if you don't understand that God is building a family and wanting everybody to look exactly like Him, to grow up into that image, to become exactly like Him, then you miss the point and you're going to be confused and you're going to do it wrong. If you concentrate only on doing, on what am I, what am I here to do? What, whose answer am I here to? Yeah, I told you all of that. I said, wish to God will connect you to the biggest question of your generation. But guess what? Unless you ascribe to yourself a, a then the, if you don't ascribe to yourself. The, the privilege to share in God's nature. You won't even be an answer. To, to ascribe to be an answer to a question means that you believe there's something special about you. And only gods think like that. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you will die like me and man, and perish like one of the princes. A king in and does not know it is like a beast that perishes. If you don't know that if you don't know that you've been called as a son in the house of a great man to grow up into the image of the father in the house. Now you're busy thinking oh, my job is to do, my job is to do. You won't miss the point. Look at the prodigal son. One of them felt my job is to you know, inherit this man, take his money, so give it to me and we don't have to die. And the other one feels that my job is to uh, to tend to the father's, you know, to the father's uh, vineyard and take care of his sheep and take care of his, his farm and take care of his businesses. And so when he wakes up in the morning, the first thing he does is he is prioritizing his to-do list. The other one is prioritizing his to-have list. These are the two, two, this is a type of the two types of people in the body of Christ today. To-do, to-have. To-do, to-have. So those who believe that they have a higher calling, think about what they're called to do. Those who feel that you know they're children of God, they have rights and privileges, so they're constantly confessing the things they have in Christ. But both of them were wrong. Because when the father eventually restored the younger son, the older son got upset. And because the father's priority was not what they had or what they did. The older son got offended and said, I have been serving you faithfully. He didn't understand. 
the nature of the Father. You understood the business of the Father, but you didn't understand the nature of the Father. And this is where the problem is. You're looking for your purpose, but you're forgetting the basic intent God, which is the most important assignment of your life, to get Christ reproduced in you. This is what simplifies life's battles. And this is what simplifies journey. This is what manifests purpose. If Jesus did not see himself as the Son of God, who was supposed to carry the nature of God? Listen, you won't be able to go to the cross. You're not going to be able to fulfill your purpose if you don't understand the major intent and the overarching philosophy of his whole arrangement. All of his giving us his spirit, giving us his word, and giving us exceeding precious promises are not so that we can have things or not so that we can do things. It's so that we can be things. Be beings who are exact duplicates of Elohim. Beings that are exact duplicates of Elohim. Beings that are exact duplicates exact duplicates of Elohim. So, we want to simplify okay? We want to self-govern. So, we just want to hear the little bit, the topical nature. Most people that are supposed to write a book just hear the title and then they make up the chapters. Themselves. And then when they make up those that hear the chapters, make up the paragraphs. Those that hear the paragraphs make up the sentences themselves. Whereas in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it says that we're supposed to manifest the manifold wisdom of God. The, the, the ideologies of the Most High are supposed to be expressed in us. And just like that older son had been doing all his life, yet was not happy. Some of you have been in ministry, but you're not happy. Some of you have been singing in choirs, you've been doing preaching and teaching and all that, but you're not happy. Because you're putting the cart before the horse. The driving force of all that we do is an outgrowth of that process of Christ being formed in us. And that's why you see people who serve God, they don't behave like they know God. Um, And that's why the brother would say, why would you restore my brother? Who went to waste your money, went to waste your goods. That is so inconsistent with the nature of God. Even though he's familiar with the business of God, he's far removed from the nature of God. If you were anywhere near the peripheries of who this man has been living in the same house with for a long time, he probably got married to God his own quarters down the road. You can see the Jews don't move far away from home. They don't move far away from the family. Okay? Who probably got a, his quarters not quite far from his father? Who probably, you know, because he got to his quarters and he was hearing music in his father's quarters. And he's like, what's going on there? And one of them said, oh, your brother who was lost was found. And your father started a great feast and, and brought him to welcome him home. And he said, what? And he dropped the venison. He dropped the the tools that it was used to work. And his wife said, baby, she said, no, leave me alone. I'm going, to, I'm going to give me a piece of my mind. Then it comes over to the father's quarters. And he says, look at you. 
You're so inconsiderate. Every day I have served you, and then this 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 imbecile comes all the way after wasting your your, your money, your wildest lives. Look, listen, son. I didn't I didn't create you to do. You don't even know me. You don't know me at all. If you were paying attention, that's who you should be. How can you be so heartless that you lost a brother and you didn't even care what happened? You're so busy doing. You're not seeing the opportunity in being. You are the one who was supposed to have gone out to look for him because he's your brother. Most of us are working for God and we don't even know God. We start businesses that don't have the DNA of divinity in it. We start ministries that don't have love in it. We create the centers and all of this. We have so much effort to meet human needs, but we don't even love human beings. Whereas, we're supposed to be exact duplicates of Furthermore, as I round up because I don't really like to make this thing long. Furthermore, we um, love the transactional approach to these things. That's why I don't know my purpose. You are frustrated because you're not even where you're supposed to be. Saints of old understand this. That's why David was a man after God's heart. He wasn't perfect, but he had the nature of Christ in him. He woke up in the morning and he saw. It wasn't about what to do. It wasn't about what to have. It was about your face, O oh Lord, where I sit. When my heart said, seek, when I heard your voice, and you said, seek my face. I said, O oh Lord, your face, when I seek. In the morning. In the evening. Of course, part of that will be discussing the details of your life with him. Because those are the areas and the tapestries where he is going to show you his nature. And you're going to use his nature to overcome all of the obstacles in your life. But you aren't listening. You aren't coming. Most people can be Christians. They don't talk to God for weeks. Yeah. I was guilty as well of that. Just caught up in doing and doing and doing and doing and not a lot of being and being and being and being. Spending a lot of time in his presence. Asking him to have his way in me. Asking me to mold him in his nature. To work with me as I navigate life circumstances. And I won't even know when I sleep over into ministry. You won't know. Because you will be thinking, I mean, I just, I started this group because I didn't, the thoughts that I have are not here. Maybe the people this thing is meant for are not even here yet, you know? But I think about, oh my God, there's a lot of people suffering with this thing. They don't know how to navigate this thing. You know, once you are restored, Jesus said to Peter when he denied him, to let you know that what we do wrong is not really what he's concerned about. He said, when you are restored, he said, if you are, he didn't say if you are restored, he said, when you are restored, comfort your brethren. The moment restoration comes to Peter, the next thing God wants you to think is about his brothers. And ministry come 
ministries grow, purposes grow, um, life's callings grow out of our interaction with the divine. As we experience his goodness, we become conveyor belts of this manifold goodness to other people. So in our journey in life, we should be checking how far away are we from that journey to becoming the exact duplicate of the most high. Yes, the doing is important because he says you will receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Okay? In Judea and Samaria and in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the most part of the earth. When he says you will be you will be first then you will witness and it ministries there it's not like i'm saying to do is wrong what i'm saying is don't put the doing before the being the being is to be confirmed to the image of jesus christ so that's why your priority in life is to spend time hearing god's voice and putting him before you 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all beholding. The word beholding is present continuous. Like David said, I have set the Lord always before me. Always before me. Because he's at my right hand. I will not be moved. So the original intention is to behold his face. As the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from one glory to another, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the be part of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall be then witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the other parts of the world. Understand that. The main purpose for this journey is to have a working talking relationship with Elohim as he makes us exact duplicates of himself. Because when we become like Christ is, as we're becoming like Christ, because let me know you stop well because you think that until you are perfect you can't do something. No, 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 no. No, no. We're praying in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, Pray that you will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. The eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. You will know the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power. In chapter 3, he says, Strengthened with might by the Holy Ghost, we may amen. That Christ may dwell or abide or find a home and find full expressions in your heart by faith. That you will ascribe to it by faith. You will say, Christ lives in me. So he must act in me. So you begin to pray in the spirit and worship. And as you do that, Christ becomes fully expressive inside of you by faith. And then you'll be rooted and grounded in love. So you can comprehend what is the length, the breadth, the, the, the breadth and the length, the depth and the height. To know this love of God with passive knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of activities now, with all the fullness of the nature of God. You're filled with Him. 
you become most like him exact duplicate you it's a daily thing your every day changes are happening in you as you spend time with god and as you continually live your life in communion with him your failures your successes the good times and bad times the times of lack your times of want your times of sorrow your times of joy your times of abundance times of improvement your times of of glory your times of shame as she had a working relationship with God during those times the times of confusion your times of clarity you spend those times with him and as you spend those times with him in his presence there's enough songs and scripture to cover all the gaps the widest range of human experience and they are dying on a hospital bed you are dead reading and you, you have terminal illness or you are on the mountain top and you are Barack Obama now you're on the summit of the mountain you are David King David controlling the, the one third of the kingdoms of this earth wherever you are at in the range of that experience Christ went to the depths and he rose to the height the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 which is my favorite one of my favorite chapters of scripture he says he who descended he's also the one who ascended on high that he may feel all things meaning that in your despair he feels it in your sorrow he feels it in your pain he feels it in your confusion he feels it in your success he feels it in your joy he feels it in your partying he feels it in your shouting he feels it in your singing he feels it in your down times and up times he feels all things by experiencing both the depths the lowest depths of shame and the highest heights of glory amen so he, he wants to now take you through your life day by day minute by minute you're not supposed to assume a thing like i said i suppose the purpose to serve people in a particular those patterns are not re- the pattern is not repeated is not delivered verbatim no it is revealed in stages on a daily basis you can build according to pattern is the reason i've not started a church that's not the pattern i'm seeing and every day i'm saying why don't you show me you know exactly what you want me to do and then he said to me to to go and be acting i get confused me when I was when when the calls began to come in to me to act, I thought it was the devil trying to send me for a fall from grace because I was really scared. This was 2006, 2007, 2006, much more like it. But I was glad because the first call to come and act came from church. Come and help us. I was even in the choir to so come and help us. Um, act in our field and our church was one of the most conservative in the land so how they got about that idea how they began to think they wanted they had a drama group who were producing a lot of boring dramas in those days but i mean it was church drama it was as good as it could be you know and those guys were working hard i'm not knocking them i'm just saying that it was not really not not glamorous you know what i mean and then they i came back from south africa and five I came in briefly and then I was told to come and be a part of it. I said, okay, let's go. So I went there and, and 
I was doing it for church, you're doing it for God, or you collecting a dime or whatever. And I did it. If that first call had come from the world, well, in quote, I would have felt I would have been I wouldn't have taken it. I would have been like God, God, you're trying to set me up. The devil is trying to set me up. But it came through church. And from that point, the second call also came through church. The third call came from Tinsel, which was the biggest soup, you know, the biggest soups in Africa. And I went in through those doors and I began to see the grace and the power of God manifest in a way that I've never seen before. You know, and every day I can see up to now I'm still asking, do you still want me to do this? The moment I do that, I'll get I'll get a call. And I'm like, oh God, I've never seen a pastor that was an actor before. There's no pattern for this. Or a worship leader. Because I'm a worship leader, guys. I wasn't just a singer. I wasn't just a musician. I was a worship leader. Sorry about the noise. This, you know, my, my, my room is just by the window. I love that. Magnificent view. You know, Beach Point Road in Cape Town. It's amazing, amazing scenery. Okay? So I, I wasn't even a just a musician. I was a choir director. And I was a worship leader. Look, this thing will take you places you never thought it would come. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to make you admire my journey. It's, it's a journey, but before those me then. But as I worshiped last night, and then God began to show me pictures of what it was going to be, I was like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure about this? You know, because man, I don't know. But help my unbelief. He said, don't worry, family. I'm leading you step by step. And in the, in the years that this has taken, hidden nature, it's the divine nature, and I realized that the main goal is to make me an exact duplicate of Elohim, and that's for you, for everyone as well, our journeys should not be this linear, when it's linear, it's common sense is leading, and I'm going to go into that in my next you know, uh, episode, I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening to it. I normally don't advertise this portion of the podcast because it is deeply religious. Uh, it is basically for my closed group. We're called, um, the group is called Father of Lights, which is on WhatsApp. If you'd like to be in that group, let me know. You can send me uh, a message or a voice note through here. You can send me a message. There's a voice note you can leave on here. And, and you can send me a message whatever, on this platform. So I'll get it. Take care of yourself and keep being great. Don't forget.